Awesome. You guys are ready to record, right? Cool. I'll tell you when to start. I'll like look at you and point. You already started, didn't you? Awesome. All that's going to can, can we make sure when we post this that all that gets cut out so that I don't look like a moron? Um, how many of you guys like looking like a moron? Anybody? No, not me. Um, man, we want to say welcome, and we are so glad to be here. Um, I know we were here last week, uh, but this was our, our first official week, and I want to say thank you to everybody who showed up last Sunday um, that helped us unpack. It was a huge blessing. Um, what would have taken us three or four weeks, um, we got done in one afternoon, so my wife and I wanted to make sure to say thank you. Um, we appreciated it, and we felt loved. Um, how about we get into the message this morning. Two weeks ago, I was meeting with a mentor of mine that pastors a large church in Arkansas, and we were talking about the marks of a healthy church, and he reminded me of two stories um, that he had experienced. The first one occurred on a Sunday morning. Before and after each service, he meets with guests in their guest center, and he sits down with each person or family and spends a few minutes getting to know them. One of his common questions is, why are you here? What brings you to First Assembly? One Sunday last year, he asked a couple that question, and the wife said, we are church shopping, but we haven't had much luck. He asked, why not? What is it that you are looking for? And the husband answered my friend's question with his list. First thing was, we want to attend a big church with lots of programs and ministries, but not so big that we don't know everyone. We're looking for a a diverse church, but we want it to have a lot of people just like us. Lots of programs, but don't want the church to be too organized. We want the services to be free-flowing and spontaneous, but not unstructured. We want music that is current, but we also want songs. We want leaders. We want to be leaders and involved, but we don't want to commit too much time of our own. On and on, he went with his list, and finally, when he was done, my mentor said, So how's that working out for you? How long have you been looking? How many churches have you visited? And this time the wife answered, we've been church shopping for over a year. Can't count how many churches we visited. We can't find one that meets his list. My friend said, well, you won't find that here either. I'm sorry, but there's no way that we can be all of that. And I don't have a clue where to send you. Good luck with that. It was sad. The wife looked at him and said, I know. I'm beginning to believe we'll never have a church home. They left, continuing their church. Search for the perfect church, and in their case, a completely unrealistic goal that will never exist. A couple months later, he had the honor of meeting with a church board that was searching for a senior pastor, and they called and asked if he would give them some guidance. When they got to his office, he was impressed. They were all smart, sharp guys who loved their church. He asked lots of questions about the church, and then he said, So, do you have a list? Do you know what you are looking for? And they did. And here was some Notice I said some of their criteria. They want a married family man, 30s or 40s, leaders in worship and musical talents, outgoing, outreach-oriented, true love of people, disciplines as children, reaches out to all generations, passionate in sermons, organized, delegator, self-confident, educated in Greek and Hebrew, inspires others to work, missions-minded, good hygiene, attractive and fit, visits hospitals. They also had a list for his wife. It included involved in women's ministries, leader in worship with musical talent, outgoing, outreach-oriented, work ethic, partner in ministry but not overbearing, counselor, confident, someone who keeps confidence. When they were all done with the list, my friend said, well, that's not going to be easy. I can tell you this, I don't fit that list and I don't know anyone who does. Your search for the perfect pastor is going to take a long, long time. You need to get realistic. And the church board realized that they had unrealistic expectations. And so they adjusted their list and found a wonderful pastor. I'm going to tell you today that church is doing great. 
But that couple that was looking for the perfect church is still looking, still searching for a church that meets his whole list. The truth is there is no such thing as a perfect pastor because pastors are human, including me. I'm not Superman. I know that comes as a shock to many of you. And the truth of it is there is no such thing as a perfect church. Why? Because it's made up of people. And none of us are perfect. And since perfect isn't possible, what should be the goal? What should you be looking for? What should we as a church strive to be? Can I tell you that your quest and my quest should be for a biblically functioning community? Not a perfect church because it doesn't exist, but a healthy church that fulfills the purposes of the church as laid out in Scripture. Whether or not everything is your style or your preference is not important. The important thing is health. So what does a healthy church do? What does it look like? For the answer to that question, I want to take you to the first church in the book of Acts. Jesus told the disciples to wait in the upper room, and as he ascended to heaven, they waited and received the Holy Spirit. They came out of that room ready to reach people with the gospel, and the church was born. They quickly became the biblical picture of a healthy church, functioning as God designed and intended. Looking at Acts 2, we can identify 12 signs of a growing church. And some of you just went, oh man, 12 signs. He's going to preach for an hour, 30 minutes. We can identify 12 signs of a healthy, growing church. If we're healthy, these 12 signs will be evident in our church body. Listen, if you're new to Mahaya First Assembly, then this is important for you to hear. We desire to be a healthy, balanced church. We want all 12 of these signs to be evident in our church. This is who we are and what we are about. If you're just checking us out, then you've picked a great day to be here. This will give you the full picture of what we want to be and do. And truthfully, if you have been here for a while, you need to be reminded of how important these things are. You will either be a part of making our church sick or keeping it healthy. Acts 2 verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. A healthy church is a learning church. Every week we are committed to learning from God's Word. My goal is that you can apply something that you learn, that what you learn on Sunday will make a difference in your life on Tuesday. I may not preach a lot of catchy sermons on the latest hot topics or, or really cool and fun stuff, or the latest political message. Can I tell you, there are a lot of guys who do that way better than I do. If you're looking for the latest talk on pop culture or politics, this isn't your place. We're going to keep coming back to God's Word together. And looking at what he has to say. You see, it's our values. The Bible is our guidebook for living. You see, I'm not going to use big words to impress you. It's not necessary for learning. In fact, it works against most people's learning styles. I don't want to make the Bible more difficult. I want you to see that God's word is available, approachable, understandable, and applicable. That it's something that you can understand. We're going to learn together and become more like him. I pray that people recognize the difference and see Jesus in you and in me. See, here's my big ask. I want you to listen to every message for the remainder of 2016. The average length is about 40 minutes. And if you miss, I want you to listen online. Spend 40 minutes a week listening and learning about Jesus. At the end of the year, you're going to know so much more about him and know him better. They also devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Not only were they devoted to teaching, the Bible says that they were also devoted to fellowship. Do you know what fellowship is? It's a really old word that means spending time together, having dinner, having a party, connecting in relationship. You see, it's about being together and loving each other. You see, a healthy church is loving. We genuinely 
love each other and love to be together. As we continue to grow, we have to be intentional about fellowship, developing relationships with others. The Christian journey is not designed to be walked alone. It's one reason that we push you to get involved in a ministry, in a small group, a class, or or in one of our prayer times. That's where you build relationships. You see, we must be a healthy church family who loves each other, and we must build healthy families. We want to equip you to be a healthy, loving family following Jesus together. This year, we're going to offer resources and help marriages and parenting and other family issues. Why? Because if we're going to be a healthy church, we have to be made up of healthy families. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Third thing we see is that a healthy church is a praying church. Maybe you grew up in a faith tradition where prayer was an empty, mindless ritual. Can I tell you, that's not prayer. Prayer is dynamic, ongoing. It's an intimate conversation with God. God, the creator of the universe, designed a method for us to connect with Him. It's another one of our values that we connect with God through worship and through prayer. My prayer is that every week in our services, every one of us connects with God. On a regular basis, you find a time and a place to connect with God on your own. Listen, I want to encourage you to attend one of our prayer gatherings or join the prayer ministry. Join a group, join a ministry, and learn how to pray together. Verse 43 said, everyone was filled with awe. What does that mean, filled with awe? You see, they weren't talking about how wonderful they were. They were talking about how wonderful God is. The people were filled with awe that, at what God was doing and the fact that he was using them. They were completely amazed by all the people that were coming to know Jesus and that God was using them to do it. See, a healthy church is a humble church. Humility is all about gratefulness. God will bring growth to a humble church, one that acknowledges him as the builder and the owner. On the other hand, God will allow a proud church to fall. See, I often pray, God, this is your church. Show us your way. Thanks for allowing me to lead your church for this period of time. Thanks for allowing us to work together with you. But God, this is not our church. This is not my church. This is your church. Everything we have comes from you. Everything we have belongs to you. I am in awe of what you are doing through us. Do you hear what I say? Do you hear what I said? This is not my church. See, it doesn't matter what I want. This is also not your church. The goal is to not make any one person happy. This is God's church. It all belongs to Him, and any success that we enjoy is not because of us. It's because of Him. And we want to obey and follow Him. We want His will and His plan for His church. Amen? And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. A healthy church is supernatural. Some say that the supernatural is not for today, that it was only for the early church times, that miracles no longer happen. You see, if they don't want the supernatural, that's their business. But you see, I need supernatural help in my own life. You see, supernatural is when God does something that we cannot do. That's a miracle. You see, when a drug addict is set free, that's supernatural. When a sick body is healed, It's a miracle. When a marriage is restored, supernatural. When someone considering suicide decides instead to live for Jesus, that's a miracle. That's supernatural. When a person with a bad attitude gets a good attitude, man, how many of you know that's a miracle and that's supernatural? When a greedy person becomes a giving person, it's a miracle. When someone who has been trapped in a cycle of depression finds joy, that's supernatural. When destructive gossip becomes an encouraging friend, that's a miracle. That's supernatural. When a wayward child returns to Christ, it's a miracle. When a sinner accepts Christ, it's supernatural. You see, I've been excited 
as we've been coming about all the decisions that everyone has made to follow Christ over the last few months. Can I tell you, that's the greatest miracle of all, is when people come to know Jesus as their Savior. You see, it's also awesome to see the different way that, that God works in our services each and every week. Most weeks, our services are really different from the other, aren't they? That's not our planning. That's God's working through, the, through what's called the gifts of the Spirit. Almost every week, the gifts of prophecy and a word of knowledge are in operation. That's why the message and the response, often even the worship, are different from service to service. We've had some powerful moments where God spoke to us in some supernatural ways. Well, Pastor Jason, why don't you just tell us? Why don't you say, thus saith the Lord, like they did in my last church where I grew up? Well, I think this way. We shouldn't have to announce when God is working. When the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, the spiritual mature sense it and they know it. What God is saying is confirmed in your heart and your spirit. And those who aren't as spiritually mature may not recognize why. They just know that their, me- their needs are being met. They ask things like, why am I crying? Anybody ever been in a service and you just started to randomly cry and you go, no, no, what's going on and god began to meet your needs right where you are you see the truth of it is that you are sensing god's spirit and his spirit is working in our heart see his supernatural is in response to our collective hunger for him you want to see more of his power at work in our lives we've got to get hungry for him you want to see more power of his more of his power in our lives we've got to start praying for it notice something else in the passage that signs and wonders weren't exclusively the ministry of one or two guys. Instead, everybody was involved in ministry and everyone was seeing supernatural things happen. They were a team. Another value is that everything is better in teams. It takes all of us, right? We've done several large outreaches over the past couple of years and and we're going to do more of them in the coming months. Can I tell you, I'll be involved in the outreaches, but I'm not going to plan and run every single one of them. There's no way that one person could do everything that the church needs to do to reach this community. But it's not about me, the pastors, or, or the, the, the people serving, or any one person doing it all. Because if one person is doing it all, something is wrong. It's all of us working together, using our gifts and talent, finding our place to serve God. You see, when you get involved, God does supernatural things through you. And as a result of your ministry, people are set free and people find Christ. You see, God wants to use you in his supernatural plan. This year, my goal for you is that you'll find a place of ministry and service here at First Assembly. It's time to get up and to start serving and watch how God uses you. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This church had a wonderful sense of unity, so much that they shared everything that they had. A healthy church is unified. God is able to use a unified church in a powerful way. At MFA, there is a spirit of unity, and I thank God that we have unity in this place. But can I tell you, I want the unity to continue. One of the keys to unity is another value is that we resolve conflict biblically. You'll learn that I'll talk about this often. Gossip and unresolved conflict has no place in the church. I'm going to say that again. Gossip and unresolved conflict has no place in the church. If you've got a problem with someone, you need to go to him or her privately. You don't share your frustrations, your disagreements with other people. You don't go, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Can you believe Can you believe they only sang two worship songs this morning at MFA? Man, they must not love Jesus over there. If you've got questions about what's going on, you go talk to those who you've got the issue with. Can I tell you one of the things that destroys unity quicker than anything else is gossip. Listen, you don't go share your frustrations, disagreements with other people. Listen, it's not biblical. You 
go to the one that you have issues with. Church is supposed to be a safe place. Listen, I commit to you that I will confront those who aren't willing to resolve conflict biblically. I will not allow them to be in leadership. And if they are in leadership, I will ask them to step out of leadership. As a leadership team, we are absolutely committed to being unified with each other and leading a unified church. Am I saying there's zero gossip? Of course not. We aren't perfect. Humans do attend here. What I am saying is that people who hurt others with their loose words and don't want to change will be confronted. And if they won't change, they won't be in leadership. And they might need to consider a fresh start somewhere else. You see, if we want to be healthy, sometimes we have to fight infection. In our own bodies, if, we, if there's an infection in our body, do we just let it go on and let it go unresolved? Or do we go to the doctor and, and, and get medicine to fight the infection? See, a healthy church fights the infection in the church. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. A healthy church is a generous church made up of generous individuals. You see, the truth is that generosity is not about what or how much you have. Instead, generosity is about what you do with what you have. Can I tell you, church, you are awesome at this. You're generous with your money. You're generous with your time, with your attention, and your love. Keep it up. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. A healthy church is committed. They didn't just meet together once a week. They met together every day. See, one of the commitments that our new members make is to commit to regular and faithful attendance. I'll tell you guys this. You don't want me to define regular and faithful. You see, when I grew up, you didn't miss church. You see, our culture seems to fight commitment, doesn't it? You see, that's one thing about any church that drives me nuts. You see, in any given church, only about 10% of the congregation misses less than 16 Sundays. 90% of the church misses more than one-third of the time. That's a lot, isn't it? Know this, if you ask, why don't we ever? The answer is, we probably didn't. You just weren't here that day. See, the truth is, it has happened. I've talked about it. You just missed the service, or you didn't attend that particular weekend. I challenge you, make the commitment to be in church every Sunday. Listen, it's important for your spiritual growth and development. Take advantage of learning and growing opportunities. Wednesday nights when they kick back off women's and men's ministries, youth ministries, and our small groups. Listen, I don't expect everyone to do everything, but I think you should probably attend a Sunday morning service for spiritual growth and be involved in at least one other connection point to build relationships. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. And every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful. You see, when a healthy church gets together, it's supposed to be a celebration. It's supposed to be exuberant. It's supposed to be joyful. I really like this part. A healthy church is fun. Listen to me. Church is not supposed to be boring. It's okay to have fun in church. It's not only okay, but it's biblical and it's healthy. Listen, if you're against fun, you're going to be absolutely miserable here. In fact, if you're against fun, see me after service and I'll help you find a Praising God. You see, a healthy church is a worshiping church. A healthy church worships God with passion and enthusiasm. The Bible tells us that God enjoys our worship so much that He inhabits the praises of His people. You see, God's presence is attracted to our worship. I want to be an enthusiastic worshiper. I want to be more passionate, more excited, more visibly in love with Jesus than ever before. Remember, worship is about God. It's not about you or I. Worship isn't about a certain song or a certain style. It's about God. And we're a church that passionately and 
expressively worships God. Verse 47, and enjoying the favor of all people. You see, a healthy church is influential. The church was relating to the same people that had just killed Jesus, but now the church had the favor of all. Why? Because they were loving, caring, unified, and healthy. As a result, they were impacting their community. You see, there's something wrong with a church that doesn't influence its community. It's not healthy. The result of all that unity, health, learning, loving, praying, giving, commitment, fun, worship, and influence, the Lord added to their number, what's that next word? Daily, those who were being saved. You see, that's the greatest miracle of all. People were coming to Christ every single day. You see, a healthy church is outward focused. You've heard it said before that 83% of the unchurched say that they would come to church if someone would just invite them. You see, they are ready. They're waiting for us to reach out to them. Listen, if we do the other 11 things great and we aren't outward focused, we miss it all. It's the easiest temptation and the quickest way for our church to die when we start caring about ourselves and our needs and our desires and our preferences more than we do about reaching those who don't know Christ. You see, the mission of the church is to reach people with the love of Christ. We will not be shaken from our core values and our commitment to, to it, everything influencing everything that we do. This is the essence of the gospel. It's our guiding principle, one that affects everything that we do, and that's every soul matters to God. If every soul matters to God, and if you claim to be a Christ follower, then every soul has to matter to you as well. You matter because you matter to God. You matter to us. He loves you, and we love you. I want you to look at me and listen to me for a moment. Over the last few months, we have seen our nation torn apart by prejudice, and I want to tell you where I stand. We cannot and we will not tolerate prejudice because prejudice devalues a soul for whom Christ died. You see, prejudice decides only souls like me qualify for the love of Jesus. Prejudice is an ugly, bitter sin that hurts the heart of God. To which you say, but you don't understand. I have a story. I have history. There's a reason I'm prejudiced. You're correct. I don't understand. I don't understand why you'd allow hurt in your past to ruin your present and to seriously affect your eternity. It's time to release that. It's time to let it go. You see, it's time to love everyone that Jesus loves. Every soul matters to God. Do you know what that word every means? It means every. In the original Greek or the Hebrew or whatever original language you want to look at, every means every. Every soul matters to God. We have to love those who He loves even if they are not like us. Why do we put so much emphasis on missions? Because every soul matters to God. Why do we every first Sunday do BGMC? Because every soul matters to God. Why do we bring in missionaries to tell about what God is doing in far off lands or even here in America? Because every soul matters to God. The truth is that most churches wither and die over time. We, MFA, we refuse to turn inward, only caring about our needs, our wants, our desires, and our preference. An inward church is an ugly thing. People more worried about getting the right seat, hearing the right style of music that they want, or keeping other people from using their stuff than they are worried about people that are dying and going to hell without Jesus. We will refuse to focus on our needs, our wants, and our preferences. We will fight that tendency by continuing to reach out to others here in Central Texas and around the world. We've got to be a healthy church. If we want to continue to grow, if we want to continue to reach this community, we've got to be healthy. How many of you, when someone is sick at your house, you just want to go out and invite everybody to come over to your house, right? Nobody likes to do that, right? How many of you, anybody have family that sometimes fights and like you don't look forward to going to family reunions? Because you're going, man, somebody's going to say something to so-and-so, and before you know it, the cops are going to get called because somebody knocks somebody else out. That's my family. 
Nobody likes going to that, right? And can I tell you, it's even uglier when the church begins to act like that. But can I tell you, I'm thankful that our church isn't like that. Amen? I'm healthy that our, I am thankful that our church is healthy and will continue to be healthy. Why? Because we have people that are committed to being healthy. We have people that are committed to resolving conflict biblically, and we've got people that are committed to reaching our community for Christ. As a worship team comes, if you'll stand. Pastor, why are you talking to us about a healthy church your first Sunday? Man, what a, can anybody think of a better time to talk about it? I know when Tina and I got married, we had expectations for each other. Some of them were really realistic, and some of them were extremely unrealistic. And even though the expectations were unrealistic, if they weren't met, it was going to cause an issue. So what do we have to do in our own relationship? We had to sit and talk. And we had to compromise. And I, I told her, Han, it is way too hot for me to cuddle with you all night. But I'll give you 10 minutes. I'll give you 10 minutes and we can cuddle and you can put your head on my chest. And it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be miserable because I'm going to be sweating. But I'm going to smile and fake it. But you know what it did? It met that need that she needed for her husband to embrace her. And you know what I didn't realize? I didn't realize that I needed that too. But you know what I could have done? I could have just rolled over in the bed. Get off of me, it's hot. We'd still be married, but we would not be happy. You see, even the unrealistic expectations we had to have conversations about and come to a healthy understanding of what was realistic. I'm going to tell you one of the realistic expectations that my wife has for me is that I, because I'm a man, do all the heavy lifting stuff at the house, and I'm the one who does the yard, and I do these things. Now look, I know some of you are going, well, I'm a woman, I can do that too. Yes, you can. But my wife just likes me to do it. And so you know what I do? I do it. Why? Because I like a pretty yard. But even more important than that, I like a happy wife. Because a happy wife is a happy life. But can I tell you, church, sometimes we come in with expectations for new pastors that are totally unrealistic. Man, I want that pastor to be there for me in every need that I have. But I want him to just know it. I'm not going to tell him he should love me enough that he should be able to read my mind. God has not given me that gift. But can I tell you what we do commit to being? We commit to being here for you guys. And did you know that pastors sometimes have unrealistic expectations for churches? Like, man, everybody should be on time for church that starts at 1045. Well, that's unrealistic, isn't it? Why? Because things happen. And so the truth of it is I can either get frustrated about it, or I can just know that by the time I step up to preach at 1115, 1130, the church is going to be full. You see, unmet expectations results in frustration. And can I tell you, there's nothing worse than a frustrated church. So maybe today, you'd say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus. You've talked about him. You've talked about how the church should emulate him. But man, I don't know who Jesus is. I've heard of him. I, I know about him. I've grown up in church maybe. But man, I have never accepted Christ as my Savior. If that's you, nobody's looking around. But if that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand. Because I believe that there is no better time than to come to know Jesus than the present. If that's you and you've never accepted Christ, but today you say, Pastor, I want to make that commitment. I want you to just raise your hand up real high. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe even in, in, in talking about a healthy church, maybe you've realized how unhealthy you actually are. 
And you'd say, Pastor, I need health in my life. I need spiritual health. I need emotional health. I need physical health. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. Anyone else? I want to pray with you. God, we come to you, Lord, acknowledging that sometimes we get it wrong. Lord, truthfully, most of the time we get it wrong. God, sometimes we get off track. But Lord, tonight we ask that you would draw us back to you. God, that you would draw us back to health. God, what it looks like to be a healthy person. God, to have our finances in line. To have our emotional health in line. God, to have our spiritual health in line. God, as we seek health in our lives, God, even though it's going to be hard and it's going to require discipline, God, that you would give us the power to do that. God, why? Because we want to honor you with our lives. Lord, we want each and every day that we walk this life, Lord, that people look at us and say that each and every day we are becoming more and more like you. God, that's the prayer for each and every one of us. God, whether we're brand new, saved, Lord, or maybe we've been serving you for 50, 60, 70 years. God, that each and every day, God, we would grow closer and closer to you and we would begin to look like you a little bit more and more each day. Now, if you'll partner with God and with this church in endeavoring to live out being a healthy church, you'll say, Pastor, we want a healthy church. We'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we serve in a healthy church. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. And hopefully that's going to be most of us. And let's just pray and ask God for continued health. Lord, we come to you today, Lord, recognizing that this is not my church. God, that this is not even our church, but God, this is your church. God, we want you to bless it. Lord, not because we want to say, look at what we've done, but God, that we can say, look at how you have blessed this church. Lord, that it would be a testimony to this community. Lord, that we wouldn't be focused on our own agendas, our own things that we want to happen, but God, we would be focused on the things that you want to happen. God, that we would be willing to put aside our personalities and our personal preferences, God, for kingdom principles. God, that we would be a church that learns from you. God, that we would be a church who resolves conflict biblically. God, that we would be a church that is unified. That we'd be a church that's loving. God, that we'd be a church that is praying. God, that we'd be a church that is giving. Lord, that we'd be a committed church. God, a church that's fun. God, a church that worships you passionately, God, and is influential in this community. God, it's our prayer today that if this church were to close, God, that it would seriously handicap the community, God, because of all that we've been doing for them. Lord, we want to serve the community. We want to meet the community's needs, Lord, whatever that looks like. So, Lord, we pray that you help us be creative in reaching our community. God, that MFA would become a lighthouse. God, a beacon of hope to a dark world. God, that when things go wrong in our community's lives, God, that they're not reaching to the government. God, that they're reaching to the church. God, ultimately, that we would be a church that anyone could come to. God, a church that anyone could come to, whether it's black or white or Hispanic or green, whether it's skinny or fat, whether it's smart or not, whether they look like we think they should look or they don't, Whether they dress up nice or they show up wearing shorts and a t-shirt. God, whether they've got tattoos or God, whether they don't have tattoos. 
God, that no matter where somebody is, God, in their walk with you, Lord, that they could walk into this place, God, and find Jesus. Lord, that they would find Jesus from the moment that they're greeted in the parking lot, God, to when they're greeted at the door, Lord, to when they're in their seats and we're waiting for services talk and, and we're being friendly, God, that they would see Jesus there, God, that they would see Jesus in our worship. God, that they would find Jesus in our messages. God, because we know it's with your power and your power alone that lives are changed. God, we want to be a church that kindles the fire of the Holy Spirit. God, we believe that you have designed the church to be supernatural and that the gifts of the Holy Spirit should be in operation. So God, may we be fire bearers in that. Lord, may each and every one of us find our spot to serve. God, not because we have to, but Lord, because we get to. We get to serve you through the local church. God, I thank you for MFA. But I thank you for all you've done. God, we've seen incredible growth over the last few months. But Lord, I believe in my spirit that you're not done. So Lord, we pray for multiplication. God, and we pray that we would be a good steward of those that you send us. Lord, as we're reaching out, as we're inviting them, God, that we would nurture their soul. Why, Lord? Because every soul matters to you. So, Lord, help us that every soul would matter to us. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity that we have to serve you. Lord, we ask that you bless the rest of our day. God, that as we go into the community today, Lord, that the people would see Jesus. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. You